Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banner Podcast, where birders talk birding. On this episode, my guest is Deborah Green. Deborah is the president of Orange Audubon Society in Florida and is also the chairman of a birding festival committee uh, running the North Shore Birding Festival in the North Shore of Lake Apopka, uh, which is a really big lake in central Florida. And so I thought I would talk a little bit about birding festivals as an introduction to this episode. Birding festivals are really popular. Uh, Some people who aren't birders may not think about that, but there are a gazillion birding festivals around. Some of them are gigantic. Uh, There's the biggest week in birding at McGee Marsh on the south shore of Lake Erie. Uh, There is the Lower Rio Grande Birding Festival, the Rio Grande Birding Festival in the Lower Rio Grande Valley area. I've actually been to that festival. Well, it's a fabulous festival. I think it usually runs in November. Uh, there's the San Diego Bird Festival. It's a fabulous festival, really big. Uh, it has a pelagic trip and lots of great trips all over San Diego County, and I think some beyond uh, that runs. Uh, I think next year it's going to be from about the 22nd to the 26th of February, but uh, I've been to that. Highly recommended. But there are lots and lots of festivals, and this festival sounds like it's a pretty doggone big festival. The 70 feet trips. And uh, so I'm going to make sure in the podcast notes and in the blog post associated with this, I write a little uh, article about uh, birding festivals and links to some of the big ones and places where you can find a birding festival if you're interested. But it was really fun talking to Deborah. In addition to leading the festival, she is an entomologist and so knows a lot about bugs and planting plants for native uh, wildlife and uh, birding and birding migration and brings up some topics about that. Really fun guest. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the Bird Banner podcast with Deborah Green. Deborah, thanks for being on the podcast with me today. How are you? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I think I saw uh, somewhere that you just opened up registration for your birding festival. So that's got to be a relief that that's uh, gone live. And now you just have to sit back and watch that a little bit instead of getting everything together for it. Yes, it is a relief. That was a big push to get it open, but still we're, we're, we're monitoring in certain trips that are not filling as well as others we want to promote. And so sure. there's still quite a bit to do. Yeah, I had a chance. It's the, I think it's called the, the uh, North Shore Birding Festival for, it's the North Shore of Lake, and I'll butcher this name, Apopka, Apopka. Apop- Lake Apopka. And mm-hmm. I got a chance to look at a map. That's a big lake. And it looks like from Google Maps, there's a giant green area at the north end of the lake. That must be what you're talking about, uh, the North Shore. Uh, and looks like a really cool area. And I got a chance to look at the field. You have 70 field trips. Oh, my I goodness. Am- yeah and the leaders are amazing they're not the big name leaders that you know the bigger festivals get um but they are wonderful birders um most of them local and some from you know six hours away south carolina or uh south florida and uh, a couple are coming in from california well you might know um eric and uh hannah and eric i do coming. yeah the the podcasters yeah mm-hmm so yeah, I love the leaders. So that, that's the core of the thing. Nice, yeah. Birding, uh, birding trip, field trips, are, and some fabulous field trips. Oh my goodness, I I saw a field trip. I think it was called the Red Cockaded Woodpecker Field Trip. And uh, this is just for listeners who are birders: Red Cockaded Woodpecker, Brown Headed Nuthatch, Sedren, Bachman Sparrow, Eastern Whippoorwill, King Rail on one field trip. That's that's not shabby. 
Yeah. I mean, the cream roll we hope to see. The other, sure. The of course. Of course. Likely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice, uh, nice uh, central Florida bird list. Yeah. I, I've jotted down on, on an envelope here, some birds to talk about if, uh, if you want to. Totally. Know. But let's, let's just hear a little bit of uh, the festival. The dates of the festival are. December 1st through 5th. And the, and I think the website was just uh, nushyourbirdingfestival.com or something like that. I'll put a link in the podcast notes. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how you can get to it and sign up. But uh, yeah, tell me some of the, the key birds that uh, a traveling birder might be interested in finding. Okay. Well, new birders to Florida are always happy to see the limkin. Mm-hmm. You know, that big, big rail, beautiful bird that eats apple snails. As a lot we could say about that. I'll just keep on going though. Purple gallinule is a gorgeous little bird that um, we can see on most of our trips. And then the snail kite is, uh, we'll see on many of our trips. And the painted bunting, beautiful little bird. Yeah. Um, you'll also see white ibis and glossy ibis. And on a very few of our trips, uh, the roseate spoonbill. Um, we, we are, we've expanded the radius of trips to the coast now. Um, and so the coastal trips will definitely see it. And occasionally they are show up inland as well. I saw you have a Florida scrub jay that you can get on, on some of your trips too. I forgot that one. Very yeah. important. Florida For a traveler. Scrub. That's a don't miss bird. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then I can tell you some of the rarer things, um, a little one level up rarer. Um, the red cooked woodpecker, like you said, but we have specific areas where, where they're well burned and, and they're reliable there. And then Bachman sparrow is a southern sparrow that you could see. And let's see, the as you said, the brown headed nuthatch. Um, and then there's a very cool duck, which we've actually made into the logo, the fulvous whistling duck. It's a duck that moved up from the southwest through Louisiana and it was preceded by the black-bellied whistling duck, which is more common throughout Florida now. Um, but the Fulvis, our area, like Popka North Shore, is the easiest place in Florida to see that bird. And it, it's so cool. They are a beautiful bird. And then in the winter, we get uh, all those pot, prairie pothole region breeding ducks. Um, a wide variety of them winter with us because... Like, well, I'll describe that North Shore a little more in a second. Um, And then the last thing that comes down is the sparrows, variety of sparrows uh, and gulls. Um, Our very last trip goes to a a site where there's a big congregation of gulls and it's led by a a gull expert. So uh, we have, you know, you can learn a lot about identification of gulls. Sounds like you put together a really uh, top list of field trips. That's impressive. And, and, you know, festivals are fun because you get to meet other birders too. Exactly. Uh, I love festivals myself and that's how um, I, I've been to at least 20 around the country and oh my. the local one space coast birding festival on the coast. I used to go every year. It's sadly uh, they have called it quits for, for the moment. Some people say, think that they will be revived. But in any case, uh, our area was ripe for one. And, uh, well, there's a whole story um, to it. You want me to talk about this? Yeah, please. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So you got the Florida Peninsula, and birds are migrating north and south in in migration. And they see this big lake, Lake Apopka. 
used to be the second largest lake in the country, um, excuse me, in the, in the state. And, but the, you know, Florida soil is sandy and no good for agriculture. So some time ago, they figured out that the muck soil of wetlands was good for agriculture. So they drained, farmers drained the North Shore and actually were helped by some government agencies in, in, in the World War II uh, provide food effort. So bit by bit, the North Shore was cordoned off with canals and pumps and used for farming. But the farmers were using fertilizers and flooding, reflooding, and um, polluted the lake. So it became known as the dead lake and uh, the most polluted lake in Florida and all. So fortunately there was money from state water programs and a little bit of federal money and they bought out the farms. And then uh, the first, well, by the way, I'm giving you perhaps more detail than anybody wants oh, to know. That's good. But, um, but going north, it, it, it's a, one of those rivers that flows north. So the force, the gravity was going north and what the farmers would do would be let their fields flood north by gravity in the summer, kill the nematodes, keep the muck from uh, oxidizing away, and then pump it off in the winter and do winter crops. So when the water management district, St. John's River Water Management District, bought it out in like 89, 90, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, later 90s, uh, 98 was the, the big year when they had it all bought and they let the water, they didn't pump it off in the winter for the first time. So winter wetlands were attractive for the first time to white pelicans, wood storks, a lot of larger birds that are high on the food chain. And the farmers had used old pesticides like DDT, which were still in, in the soils and it came up the food chain and there was a big bird kill. Terrible in 98 and the St. John's River Water Management District was sanctioned by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Meanwhile, Orange Audubon had been trying, that of which I'm president and um, the festival grew out of, um, had been trying to get public access um, from the time that the farms were bought out, and but everything, hope of public access was shut down. So it took years. It was not till 2013 that, uh, from 98 to 2013, that we um, were able to get more public access and um, two of my colleagues had the idea of a big family festival, the Birdapalooza Festival, which had bus trips for the participants back into that North Shore. And people were so interested in it um, and that there was a little more public pressure to get it open. And then the Orange County developed a bike trail along the main levee that separates the lake from the wetlands. Mm-hmm. And then the Lake County, the county to the north built their part so it was an 18 mile bike ride there which over the years has become incredibly popular but then in 2015 um the land manager just heard heard the cry for let's get some public access and they opened a a drive 11 mile drive along the levees Mm -hmm. and it 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 took a little while to catch on there was no tourism dollars spent on it it was all through um the facebook page that orange audubon meant manages and some photographers facebook groups that the word got out and then the our festival uh was well so from this uh, family festival we decided we'd add a a day uh for birders Mm -hmm. and um and then hurricane irma did a number 
on the area. It broke, it didn't break the levee, but it overtopped the levee and mm -hmm. the whole area was very flooded. Uh, by the way, Hurricane Ian also did, but um, they had raised the levee three feet in the interim. And so it didn't overtop. Okay. But there's, there's right now this wildlife drive, which is so popular is closed. And um, just because the water levels are so high, they don't have the means to pump the water out. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we now had this wildlife drive and it was getting more and more popular, but the water management district, the, the staffers are very limited. Um, they're, they're staffers that work on lake restoration, which is the main purpose of the whole project. Mm -hmm. And then there's a couple that manage the land and get rid of invasives and do other land management practices. So these guys, they're both biologists and they actually have to go to other properties to manage like uh, red cooked woodpeckers or scrub jays on other properties that the mm -hmm. district owns. So it was very understaffed. And so Orange Audubon stepped up and we do, as volunteers, we do a lot of different things. We um, give out the brochures and uh, give tips on how to visit every Saturday and Sunday, the busy days. By the way, um, it's only open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the reason okay. is they, the district staff changed their hours Monday through Thursday to be 10-hour days so that they could leave it open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. But, I, I'm going to interrupt just quickly. What, what all happened with the... Uh, DDT pollution issues? Do they not flood it in the winter or did that get mitigated somehow or did time go by? What happened? Yes, time went by. Those are, DDT breaks down gradually um, and they also got a big um, what do you call it? Uh, attached to a tractor, a enormous plow from an inventor in Texas hmm. and they flipped the soil like oh. at least five feet deep oh, which okay. helped so that the surface was not contaminated and one by one different parts of it cells were given the clean bill of health by u.s fish and wildlife service and i as far as i know all of it now is given that okay so you they do that. flood it in the winter now for waterfowl again and that sort of thing mm, well see the water flows north by gravity oh so, so they don't they, they allow it to flood they don't flood it yeah. yeah and yes that's right so the water's in in all year um, oh, okay mm-hmm and so instead of farm fields, they're now really impoundments and the district has worked to get rid of the weeds from being farm fields and uh, more natives have come in and um, yeah, just it's impoundments, you know, you know, that birds are attracted to water. And right. So I, th I think I get it. So they didn't have to flood it. They just had to not drain it. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> okay. That makes more sense now then. Good. Uh, so, uh, Deborah, tell me your story. You've been working with the Audubon for a long time. How long have you been a birder? Oh, maybe 20 something, 25 years, but a casual birder. I'm not a lister. I don't chase. The hubby and I like to visit national parks and camping mm -hmm. and stuff. And, and he also has boats. So that's kind of a cool thing I get to do that many of my colleagues as birders don't is get just to get boating and birding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, bit by bit, I, I'm more like a friend of the birders mm -hmm. than a hardcore birding. 
You know, sometimes I think the friends of the birds uh, do a lot more good than the birders. Uh, uh, thank goodness for conservationists and uh, people like you who have uh, stepped up along with Audubon societies and and done fabulous conservation work. Uh, Deborah, uh, did uh, this is uh, getting back to birding? Though Hurricane Ian came through, and although hurricanes are horrible and do terrible devastation, sometimes they blew some cool birds in. Uh, did did you get some great birds at Lake Apopka after uh, Hurricane Ian, or dear do you? Um, we did not get out after Hurricane Ian. I, I did get out after Hurricane um, Irma. Irma, thank you. Um, and I saw a bridal turn on Lake Popka. That was fun. But um, other people who got out on lakes, like in Lake County, uh, saw those kind of pelagics, bridled and sooty, and frigate birds were blown in, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it was pretty shut down. Uh, there's a lot of trees down there. And right now, the St. John's River, which is the major river through our region, mm -hmm. and that, that Lake Apopka, um, well, Lake Apopka goes to a tributary of the St. John's, so mm -hmm. it's directly connected. The St. John's River is at the highest stage it's ever been. Wow. And so oh, Is that a result of the rains from the hurricane, you think? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so how is this going to affect your festival, the, the super high water levels? Are you going to be able to do the same field trips that you had planned to do, or is it going to uh, make some changes necessary? Well, it's at least six weeks out, um, and uh, nobody thinks that we're going to have to do any changes. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so you are, uh, are you the president or you're an mm -hmm. active member of the Audubon Society? Yes, I have. I am the president as well as the committee chair for the this festival. Very cool. And um, you're probably going to ask me my background. I was an entomologist for okay. a while before yeah. I became a, a, a professor of environmental science at the community college level. And I have taught uh, even gifted middle school and, and so forth. So science teacher. But uh, as an entomologist, um, the work of Doug Tallamy has really resonated with me. And, and also I was into native plants. I actually was more into plants before for birds. Um, so this plants for birds thing. Um, so Doug, are you, you know, you know, Doug Tallamy, right? I, I don't tell me about oh, it. Oh, okay. Well, he's an entomologist from the university of Delaware, which is South of Philadelphia. And he is a, is a caterpillar expert, microlepidopter, the small ones that are fed upon by birds like warblers for their young. Mm -hmm. And one of his grad students actually documented this, that it takes 6,000 to 9,000 caterpillars to get fledge a group of chickadees. So, and that if you have more than, if you have more than 70% natives in your yard, then you have a chance to get chickadees. But if you have less than 70%, you probably will not be able to have chickadees because you just don't have enough of the native trees and shrubs that the caterpillars are feeding on. You know, and this is totally foreign concept to most people who sure. are looking at their plants when they choose them as those that will not have insects <laughs> mm -hmm. or they or it might be spraying. So it's been hard to sell to get make this point. But and, and so Doug telling me uh, he collects the insects on the trees. And so he, he actually and it has them identified. Quantifies them. Sure. 
he has lists of the best trees and the best of all are the oaks. Mm. And you know that probably you're, you're in Southern California. Am I correct? No, no I'm in uh, uh, Tacoma, Washington. So we oh, have okay. a very, uh, we used to have big oak prairies here, but now very few oak, oak areas. We do have some, but not many. And But when you have oaks, don't you always go to them for, for the birds in the spring? They are a great place to go for bluebirds and the prairie birds, yeah. And warblers? Uh, to, you know, I'm in the West. We just don't get warblers like you guys get there. I mean, oh, we, we have, you know, half a dozen species of warblers on a good day. So it's different. Yeah. Well, anyway, these little caterpillars, Microlepidoptera, um, feed on the new leaves of these deciduous trees. Matter of fact, I, I'm going to tell you my whole story here. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of Scott Weidenzahl's work. Do you know Scott Weidenzahl? I've heard of him. The migration uh, mm-hmm. expert? Yes. A beautiful, beautiful writer. And um, his book, Living on the Wind, so cool the way he describes how the warblers take off from Central America and go across the Gulf and then work their way. They're going to the Eastern forests and they're timed for the leafing out of the deciduous trees in the eastern forest. Mm-hmm. And that is because these new leaves are fed upon by these microlepidoptera, and that's the food for the birds to feed their young, to get through a, a what's the word for a, a crop of, of, of birds? Uh, oh, oh, a uh, uh, clutch. Clutch. Yeah, clutch. clutch. Okay. So um, anyway, uh, so b- between Doug Ptolemy and, and Scott Weidenzahl, I've got this vision of the way the that's the the justification for the ardor, arduous migration, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. off the Gulf or up through the Chihuahuan Desert. Either way they go, it's not easy. And the motivation is those deciduous trees of the east leafing out with those caterpillars, which you can breed, you can feed to your young. Yeah, I I heard a a plant for nature uh, expert uh, talk to our Audubon Society here, to uh, to actually to our Washington Ornithological Society here recently, uh, and I was just it is amazing that you know plants that they look the same. What's the difference? Well, they're not the same. You know, the the insects are specifically have a limited number of types of plants that they can breed on and and you need to leave some of the leaf litter under your trees because if you rake it all up immediately then that's a whole different whole different uh, food source for various birds that you know thrushes and other birds that feed on the ground and it was, it was just very very interesting uh you know yeah. concept but um so plants for birds and, and i'm native plant gardener and we've been in this house 18 years and i've done native plants all that time so i've got kind of like my own woods here mm-hmm. in, in, in suburbia in a HOA, <laughs> but um, it makes it fun. So so are you uh, working towards uh, uh, planting more of these native trees in this North Shore area? Yes. Orange Audubon has been working for years towards a nature center site. And as a matter of fact, the festival is a big fundraiser toward that. Thanks to all our leaders basically donating their time and, and all of us being volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, yes, as a matter of fact, I'm growing them in pots at my house, just nice. waiting for the, the the go-ahead on this site that we have uh, been working with a particular municipality for quite a while on. Nice. So anybody who, who who's from my area will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I bet. 
Good. Uh, so uh, have you, you said you've uh, traveled a fair bit to some of the national parks around the country. What have been some of your favorite places you've been? Okay. I love the Great Salt Lake mm -hmm. because of that wetland and those phalaropes and those um, avocets and mm -hmm. stills. It's just fantastic. As a matter of fact, it's tragic to me when I read that it's drying up. They've yeah. off the water. Yeah. And that's a good festival, the Great Salt Lake Festival. Okay. In May. That's a, I like that one. I've been there twice different in 10 years apart. Okay. Another area and also a good festival is down east in Maine. Mm -hmm. you know, I've been to the Acadia Birding Festival, which is a, a more famous one at Acadia National Park. And that's definitely a good festival. But the littler one that's a week before Memorial Day weekend in the northeast corner of Maine next mm -hmm. to Canada. Mm-hmm. Down way, in, way up there. Lubeck and that area next to Canada and in the Gulf of Maine is really got some good birds and some really nice leaders. And um, that's a nice, nice area I like. I grew up in Maine. So those are, oh. yeah, those places are, uh, yeah. I, I didn't grow up way down east, but I grew up in central Maine. And uh, yeah, I've I've been to, I went to the Acadia Festival just for a day or two once, uh, but I, I've not lived there for many, many, many years. So yeah. Cool. Yes, beautiful. Um, and then let's see, of course, I like the Southwest, Southern, Southeast Arizona, like everybody else and, and the Texas coast and, you know, the usual places everybody likes. Yeah. So I've, uh, I'm, thinking of attending some more festivals in the next few years i've got a festival attender give me some uh, clues what are uh, some of your other favorite festivals let's see uh, um, other than the uh, north shore festival <laughs> yeah well i just mentioned great salt lake in may and um uh down, down east and um, memorial day weekend um of course the rio grande uh is the big one that's coming up in november sure that is uh, must attend. I, I've been to that. And uh, I have not yet been to the San Diego one in February, but I understand that's wonderful. I have been to that. It is wonderful. Uh-huh. And let's see what else. Um, we, I was just this weekend to one in Tampa. That's the Florida Birding and Nature Festival run by Tampa Audubon. And, and that's, a, that's a good one. Have you been to an, any of the Alaska festivals? I have not yet been to Alaska. I confess. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I've heard there are a couple of good ones there. Good, good. So, Deborah, uh, looking forward to this festival. Uh, what is your role going to be there? Are you uh, just going to be husbanding the whole thing, you know, shepherding over it and making sure everything goes well, or are you going to get to go on some field trips yourself? I usually am able to get to go on some field trips. Um, I managed to make sure of that. Good for you. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I, I'm actually leading um, the ones that are targeting the um, students. We, okay. we really try, bend over backwards to try to attract college students because just like you say, the bringing together of all the birders is such a, a great phenomenon that, you know, they, they, they should be introduced to it. And many of the festivals are very expensive, so they're not going to get to do it. Yeah. So we, for one thing, our, our festival doesn't even have a registration fee separate from the trip fees. Mm -hmm. um, and then all the fee, uh, trips are half price for college students. Very so, nice. and, and then on top of that, we have $100 travel reimbursement scholarships for students coming in from out of town. 
And we can even rent them a, a cabin, a youth cabin um, at, a, at a park where we're, we house the leaders on. Oh, uh, nice. The leaders. nice. So, so, you're, so you're bending over backwards to make this attractive to students. Yeah. Now, I, I, okay. So we used to be a week before Space Coast, just kind mm-hmm. of a right. thinking we could get some of their leaders mm-hmm. in, that were in Florida and some of their participants. We did get some of their leaders. That's how we made the relationship with Wildside Nature Tours. Okay. Uh, Greg Miller came to our, tri- our um, festival a few years, and now we have Alex Lamoureux coming yearly. He's a wonderful birder. Mm-hmm. And um, but I don't think we ever got any of their participants. It was we were kind of in a different category than them. Yeah. So then, when COVID hit, we were kind of we were still in January, but someone gave us the inside tip that this beautiful park in our area, Wakaiwa Spring State Park, this mm-hmm. pine lands and, and has a beautiful river, that this park was going to be opening up its youth camp for um, booking right at, uh, after a COVID shutdown and we could get in. Uh, oh, okay. The, the youth camp is rented by Girl Scout groups and Boy Scout groups and things. So that we were offered some dates and mm-hmm. a date that seemed to work best that didn't interfere with Christmas bird counts, that the ducks would still be there was beginning of December. So, so sounds like all things came together for a good, uh, good uh, dates. And it's, yes. And I think it's a nice time, you know, that, that first half of December is a great time to travel. You know, if the winter isn't in full swing yet, uh, you've got time enough to get home for Christmas. You don't have to feel like you're hurried. The bird counts aren't going on. Uh, it, I think it's a fabulous time to travel. I, I still like it. and But there's two things wrong. Well, there's a couple things wrong. One is that um, the, the snowbirds who come to Florida for the winter um, haven't come down yet. They usually wait till Christmas. Um, another though, talking about the students is that the students that's finals time. Yeah. So, um, I'll watch it this year and See how possibly, it goes. especially now that space coast is not going, maybe January would be better. And then there is a little bit more diversity of sparrows a little later and the gulls are a little diverse later, but the waterfall are all, all in for us. Yeah. And um, I, I do like it I, right after Thanksgiving and before the real holiday season. Yeah, it's-, it's got a lot of things going for it. Well, Deborah, I hope that your festival goes great. I hope your field trips fill up and students uh, skip a final or two and go anyway, <laughs> or maybe not skip the final or two, but anyway, show up anyway. Uh, so, uh, Deborah, I'm going to uh, close by asking how would what would be the best way for somebody to reach out to you about the festival or otherwise. Okay. Well, for the festival, festival at uh-huh. Orange Audubon Society. Excuse me. I'm sorry. OrangeAudubonFL.org. That's my email for the festival, okay. festival at OrangeAudubonFL.org. Okay. And that really will work for anything else that anybody would want to ask me. Um, and I'd love to hear from anybody. And But the, the website is pretty easy to navigate, NorthShoreBirdieFestival.com. It's got all the leaders' profiles and all the trips laid out. So uh, we'd love to see people from other states. We really do. It's one, one year before COVID, we were up to 18 states. And Very that's cool. bragging, bragging rights uh, in our area to our local officials that you know, that's a metric that they can understand in terms of ecotourism 
Sure. That's a good one. And, and you know, you've got that uh, Central Florida piney woodlands uh, area, when you combine that with a chance to get the Florida scrub jay and all of the waders and and a bunch of sparrows, that's that's a good reason to go to Florida. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll see you. Yeah, may, maybe another year. This year I am... Uh, I am going elsewhere uh, for that time of year, but another year it might work. Anyway, Deborah, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I really appreciate your time and you thank have you. a great day. Okay. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening. As always, I learned something when I talked to a new birder. I learned about the Nusher Birding Festival today from Deborah Green, and it got me to thinking more about birding festivals. I've only been to a few, really a couple. Uh, I went to the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival several years ago, and I went to the to the San Diego Birding Festival. But I'm thinking of going to some others. I'm thinking of going to maybe one in Alaska and this, uh, this festival, the New Shore Birding Festival in Florida, sounds like an excellent festival to maybe hook up with a trip to visit my brother in Florida or something. Anyway, uh, I'm going to put up a blog post with some more information about birding festivals in the U.S., and uh, maybe if you're interested, you'll use that as a resource. Anyway, check it out. Thanks for listening. Until next time, good birding. Good day.